Hi, and welcome back to the Recruitment Acceleration Podcast brought to you by AI Recruiter at AIRecruiter.com. I'm Martin Redstone, and I'm here today with Craig Grant. Hello. Hi, Craig. Hi, Martin. How are you doing? Yeah, good, thanks. How are you? Yeah, very well, thank you. Thanks for having me on. Pleasure. Thanks for joining me today. Um, so, Craig, uh, let's jump straight into this interview-style podcast. Um, first question, introduce yourself. Who are you? What do you do? Where are you currently based? So, as you said, Craig Grant, I'm a director at CityTech. Um, been there for 22 years, so joined them when I was 18. Um, we used to be based in Old Street, but now I'm based from my home office uh, and eager to get back to the office as quickly as possible. <laughs> I think everybody's feeling like yeah. that right now. Um, so tell me a little bit more about CityTech. What do you guys do there? So Technology Recruiter focused predominantly on cloud data and um, software engineering. Sorry, I almost forgot our <laughs> elevator pitch for a second there. Yeah, cloud data and software engineering would be the three main pillars that we recruit into. Brilliant. And um, how long has the business been going for? You said you've been there 20 years. Was it going before that? Or yeah, so start business started in 1998. I joined in 1999. Um, I was only supposed to be there for two weeks. Uh, my brother set up the company the year before. He's a, a bit older than me. I won't say his age because if he's watching this, he'll get a bit cross. Um, and um, I was kind of uh, didn't really fancy university. Was wasting away in a couple of just a couple of jobs that weren't wasn't really doing that much. And he wanted to show me what city life was like, so asked me to come up for a couple of weeks just to see what it was all about and to try and help me get uh, interviews with. Um, you know, I suppose slightly more salubrious companies than the companies I was working in. And yeah, first day uh, was cleaning the station we covered, a job that I actually still really enjoy doing today, believe it or not. <laughs> um, and generally just making teas and coffees and getting a feel for it. Um, I think within a week or so of me being there, um, the person that was producing the contracts uh, had to go on long-term long sickness. So I remember getting a, a phone call with a handover and said, oh, can you be our, our contracts admin person? I was like, yeah, all right. Um, so I spent the first, I don't know how much you want me to say, but I- Go for know, it. No, no, I'm, go for you it. You know yeah. I'm a talker. So oh, absolutely. Yeah, you I tell me. Boring, just cut me off. Um, no, that's fine. Give, give, me, give me the whole thing. How you I'll went give, from how you went from cleaning a stationary cupboard to being director of the business. Go for I it. I will let you know. It take me 20 years to get there, but I'll let you know. So um, yeah, started doing the um, uh, CV, uh, sorry, the um, contracts, um, progressed uh, to do that as well as, you know, we got computers in the office, you know, we, we'd finally uh, we've been so reliant on the fax machine we finally got a a computer with an email in it and one of my jobs every day was to check that computer once once an hour and see what cvs had come in and give them to the consultants uh faxing cvs across the clients was a big one always remember the sales director telling me if they had a job in where they knew they were multi-agency telling me to try and block the fax machine with blank pieces of paper for as long as possible so only our cvs <laughs> could get submitted uh not quite uh uh if I should be saying on the podcast, but it was 20 years ago. Um, and really just gravitated to a role that was essentially back office manager within two or three years of being in the company. I performed every single back office function, even worked with the accounts department, producing supplier invoices, etc. And I was kind of the person that when people went on holiday, I'd learn their job, learn how to do it. So within a couple of years, say three, maybe three years, I was uh, the you know head of back office uh, and, and 
probably a really great grounding for a recruitment sales director to have because I really understand uh, the pain points uh, of a back office environment. Um, CityTech then set up a systems integration consultancy under the CityTech group and I was employed by those guys to essentially manage their whole back office for them as a new, a new company. They needed someone who could go in and do all of that. Um, and they won their first big project, um, which was a Murex project over in, uh, in Italy, I believe. And the director of the company sat me down in front of the database of uh, CVs, Murex CVs, and said, right, uh, can you phone these 200 people today and qualify them with these 10 questions? And I said, yeah, OK. And that was my first day in recruitment. And that's all I've done ever since. Wow, so, uh, that's kind of been the, I suppose, evolution into into sales. I did try and get a sales job at City Tech. Actually, the um, I won't say who, but one of the people at a Christmas party turned around to me and said, "Why don't you um, beep off to university and do us all a favour?" So <laughs> I kind of always knew that I wanted to be in sales because someone says I can't do something, it kind of gives me that inspiration to want to go and do it more. So when I got the opportunity in sales, I absolutely grabbed it. Um, and found myself back at City Tech about three years later, um, providing, um, well, I suppose as a salesperson for them, I, I loved my opportunity with the consulting company, but consultancy sales was too slow for me. Um, you know, there'd be these six to 12 month lead time projects. Um, you'd get all the way through and you'd get a no at the end. And I just couldn't handle that. I needed something more fast paced. Uh, recruitment was certainly better suited to me and especially contract recruitment in the noughties. That was exactly uh, what I liked doing. You'd get a call from a manager in the morning with a role and by the afternoon you'd have someone on site. And that for me was that, that was brilliant. Fast paced. Fast paced, very different today. Very different. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. So, cool. It's a really interesting journey with a bit of a bit of a gap in between um, moving away. But uh, but sounds like you've had a really interesting journey. Like I said, going from going from cleaning up the stationery cupboard up to uh, sales director is a pretty, pretty interesting career. Uh, yeah. And, and yeah, from one end of the scale to the other. Yeah, it has been really cool. And I think um, it's really interesting. because I think I, I was the reason why I got one of the uh, initially the, a job in management um, within City Tech was by virtue of being their top salesperson for quite a few years. And I think one of the biggest mistakes recruitment agency owners make, so really doing myself have a job here as well, <laughs> is employing your top biller to be a manager. Because actually that shift for me was the hardest shift I ever made. Um, as a recruiter, I was a farmer. I was responsible for my, a hunter even. I was responsible for my own destiny. I had my desk. I had my patch. I knew what I needed to do. I knew that that next deal was going to pay X amount off my mortgage and that next deal I'd be able to go and, you know, support myself in this or buy that. And all of a sudden I was expected to manage people. And it was a massive, massive learning curve. Um, and I think today, when we look for managers within City Tech, um, we would look for people who have the best skills to manage and not necessarily the best figures on the board. Because actually, um, some of the best salespeople out there simply just need to be left on their own island to go and sell. Um, some of them will gravitate absolutely into recruitment managers, recruitment leaders and have their own businesses. Some people just need to be left to go and sell. So I suppose my first piece of advice, even if you're not asking for it, is be careful you promote. Because for me, that was probably the hardest challenge 
I had in my recruitment career, moving from being friends with these people to managing them and understanding the difference between satisfying my own and the company's needs um, versus satisfying the people who reported into me and their needs. And that was really tough. Mm, No, I can imagine. I can imagine it's something that a few people go through in their career and and it's always a really interesting and really tough uh, transition um, going from, you know, somebody who's a top builder into management. Um, You're right. Sometimes it's not the right skill set. Sometimes it's not the right, um, it's not the right fit. Uh, in terms of managing people compared to managing your own destiny, managing your desk is really interesting. And yeah. absolutely, you know, any any piece of, adv- of advice to other recruiters, any other recruitment business leaders, feel free to pass them over. That's the point of this podcast. We want to help people yeah. um, think about the way that they do things and, and ho- hopefully offer some information on how they might be able to do things differently or better. Uh, so... Yeah, thank you oh, very that much. That was the only bit of advice I had. That was like, fine. sorry, no, <laughs> that's fine. Let's let's leave it there. No, no, you know, we've got some. We want to find out more about you as well. So, right. so I've got a couple more uh, questions to ask you. The first thing I want to know is obviously being in recruitment for the last twenty years. Yeah, that you've got a bit of a passion about it. I would have thought yes. um, by now. So, in one sentence, why do you think recruitment is awesome? One sentence. I, I can give you two words. Um, changing lives. Genuinely, I think I always remember uh, looking up, is it Maslow's hierarchy of needs as a kid and being quite fascinated about that kind of pyramid. Mm. And when you look at what recruitment can offer and you look at, let's say, the basic needs of, you know, food, warmth, water, security, safety, by me putting someone in a, in a job that potentially, hopefully would be a higher paid job than they're in, um, I'm giving them you know, that those, I'm helping them achieve those basic needs. Um, From a psychological need, if I'm putting them into a great job, they're building better relationships, better friendships, they've got a better feeling of accomplishment. And then if you look at all the way to the top of that kind of self-actualization and that self-fulfillment, what I do really, and it sounds so cheesy, and I'm sure every recruiter says it, but I'm genuine when I do say it, for me, it's not about the fee. For me, it's about knowing that I've done a really great job in solving a client's issue and giving someone an amazing work opportunity. I've had some real highs and lows in my recruitment world, and they're generally down to the fact of me doing either a really good job or a really bad job. Um, And I can give you the two examples. My favorite ever placement was my smallest ever deal, ever. And I spoke to a client who phoned me up and said, we're just chatting away. And he said, oh, and if you ever find someone for Argentina, let me know, because we're doing a system rollout, Murex system rollout in Argentina, um, and I need someone for there. And my next call, I was chatting to this French guy. And again, end of the call, he said, oh, and by the way, if um, my wife's Argentinian, it was literally the next call, my wife's Argentinian, if you ever hear of anything in Argentina, please let me know. Wow. One of the toughest deals I've ever had to put together, it took six months to put together. I think the fee was three and a half thousand, which in the Murex world and my recruitment world is the smallest deal I've ever placed. But it was my most satisfying deal because there's someone there who wants to move to Argentina to continue and progress their career. And I was able to give them that option. The antithesis of that was I was working with... um, a chap, uh, and this wasn't actually Murex related, this is a different application, who was in a very, very happy perm role um, at his current company. And I was able to offer him a contract job that was paying more than double to what he would earn. Um, and 
initially he got the offer through and it was a three-month contract it was supposed to be a year-long contract and it was just for three months and he turned it down he said look I'm in a really really great job I can sit here for the rest of my career I can progress it's great and I said all right no worries let me see what I can do so I went back to the end client who was uh, one of the consulting companies and they said you know what we know this project's going to last for a year don't worry we will um arrange for a year contract and by this point the candidate was a bit worried and said well look I'm going to need to have no notice in the contract at all there can be no notice period which the client also agreed to so he felt comfortable to leave take this job that was paying more than double I felt really comfortable that he was going to be there three months uh, three weeks into the job the client lost the project and wants to issue notice and I said well we've already said you can't issue notice because we didn't put a note in the contract and they pointed out because uh, they had a direct contract with him pointed out clause 26,001.a which basically said that they'll only pay on a signed timesheet and the fact he doesn't have a signed timesheet they can't pay him so they'll stick to the contract that's fine but they're not gonna be able to give him any money for it spoke to the guy six months later he lost his house and that's what I mean when I talk about how important it is that it's not about the fee. We are really messing with people's lives here. If you think it's appropriate to put someone into a job just to get your fee at the end of the day, you could really impact someone's life to the point that they could lose their home. So um, that's why for me, when you say what are the, 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 I can't remember what two words I came up with, but for me, we are changing lives and we've got to recognize we can do that for the better most of the time, but also for the worse if we get it wrong. Mm, really interesting. And thanks for sharing those two stories. And I think you're right, it shows, you know, it shows one end of the spectrum to the other. Um, and the reason why you need to care about candidates and the effect that you're having on, on their lives. Yeah. Really interesting. And thanks for sharing that. Um, oh, I got serious there. It's not like Yeah, you got it? very serious. I got yeah. a bit emotional telling that story because yeah, always a horrible story, that one. That was no, nice. no, I, I think it's important um, that those kind of experiences are shared as well because yeah. it gets people thinking about the impact they do have on people's lives. So, so really appreciate you sharing that. Um, and you know, and how that made you feel and, and, and the impact on, on the candidate as well. Yeah. Um, yeah, he hopefully. wouldn't actually talk to me. I'd love to see how he is now and hope it's okay. But when he told me that about losing house, he, he just didn't want to talk to me, um, I, even though it was all stuff out of my control. And I can understand that as well. But, absolutely. Well, you know, look, if he's, if he's listening randomly, yeah, uh, randomly. Then, then feel free to reach back out. I'm sure you'd love to. Uh, yeah. Cool. <laughs> so listen, let's get on to uh, something a bit more, uh, a bit more positive, I suppose. Um, oh, that's and, yeah. So um, I know that you, you love your tech. I know that you yeah. love your apps and all those kind of things. So, so look, is there, is there one piece of tech or one app um, that, um, that you use in order to help you be more productive or to get things done better, a bit of a, bit of a life hack, a bit of a shortcut? You know? um, yeah, I do. I do use a lot of tech. I use a lot of apps. Um, I probably there's there's so many that I use, particularly in the recruitment world, that I think it would be wrong to name one of them for fear of upsetting the others because they're all brilliant. Um, I think one of the massive ones for me um, that I'm using at the moment that has been amazing is is Calendly, um, which I started using about a year ago. And it just saves that whole faffing around of, oh, when are you available? When are you available? I know when we booked this, we did it through a similar a yep. similar tool. Um, I think the Google suite of products, I'm a big fan of Google products. 
um he says sitting with his iphone um but i love we use google in the business and i love the google suite uh, of products to enable us to run our business more effectively things like google drive is incredible um, i love the way that the google notes or google uh, google version of word and excel update as they go along mm. um so you don't actually need to save it and if you make a mistake or if you've closed down by accident you just go straight back to it um Actually, one of my favorite hacks is the keyboard shortcut hack. So there's certain things that I put in emails regularly. And I know Google have brought in this kind of AI tool. It can always predict what I'm going to say anyway, which is pretty impressive. But there's certain, certain things that I'll put at the end of an email saying, look, it'd be really great to find a time to speak. And um, I've got certain shortcuts. So for example, if I press three exclamation marks and three stars, it will come up with a line. It would be really great to find the time to chat. So feel, please feel free to book a link into my calendar below. Um, so that's a really good life hack. So I'm constantly writing that line out and it drove me mad. And then I just set up a quick shortcut, three stars, three exclamation marks, and then that line appears. So that'd be one of my, uh, one of my life hacks anyway. Interesting. Yeah. Keyboard shortcuts. It's, um, I know so many people that are starting to use those now. Um, yeah. That, and, and people think, oh, you know, well, it takes me like two seconds to type a line. It is actually, if you've got things that you're just repeating email after email after email, it's a huge time saver. It's brilliant. It's brilliant. And it might take two seconds to type that line out, but it takes 0.1 seconds to go and just do it. Yeah, exactly. Um, very important life hack. If you're making a uh, toasted cheese sandwich, um, don't put butter on the outside. Um, use marmalade. Uh, marmalade, mayonnaise. So, you know, when you get those toasted cheese ones and you put them in the, in the you know, bit of tuna in it, maybe put them in the frying yeah. pan. Yeah. Mayonnaise on the outside gives you a beautiful crispy layer. I mean, th this is just, you, know, you just keep the info coming. This is I brilliant. know, I know, right? <laughs> I'll tell you what then, if we're on the subject, what's your favourite sandwich? Oh, toasted tuna and cheese. It's got to be. Do you, you know, know what? Me? Absolutely. It's what I have for lunch. Yeah. Is it really? Brilliant. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah, okay. love it. Yeah. Yeah, see, the missus made me a... Um, um, oven baked mushrooms with cheese on top for, for lunch today but otherwise it would have been a, a tuna melt it's got to be hasn't it absolutely but yeah, honestly try it. it in the frying pan mayonnaise on the bread instead it's really yeah beautiful crisp to it good to know that's a that, that is a life hack right there mayonnaise <laughs> on the outside of a tasted sandwich <laughs> so um so 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 i know that you do quite a lot on linkedin and and yeah. you've, you've done quite a lot of videos and you've been quite open um about craig Gar craig, craig grant publicly yeah. and craig um, grant he's a decent and craig grant as well nice guy, guy. yeah yeah yeah, not as yeah, good yeah. Me, but he's all right no obviously yeah. you know he's uh, he's not as good looking as you either but um <laughs> but tell us something about you that that people wouldn't know oh it's probably not a lot because I put I tend to put myself out there quite a bit. I'm not um, frightened to talk about anything really. I'm not frightened to talk about things that are going on personally. I think it's it's good to share. Um, I suppose people don't know my retirement dream. Okay, it's not something I talk about a lot. Go um, for it. I want to have a uh, rescue farm. I want to be an animal rescuer when I'm older. I've got a massive passion for animals. Um, currently housing two older dogs a tortoise various stick insects um in fact my wife before we had kids had a business that was a pet sitting business so my house would be a zoo uh full of all sorts of wonderful animals but yeah i i, I can't bear animal cruelty um you know I, I get really upset when it comes to the uh, dog festival 
uh, that happens every year in China, uh, mm -hmm. something that I passionately believe needs to stop immediately. Um, I can understand if people, I can't understand if people would like to uh, eat dogs and personally, I don't eat meat anymore myself, um, but I can't understand how they could be so brutal um, to animals. Uh, at the same time and that that's you know it goes across anyone who can be cruel to animals so for me to have the time to dedicate uh, to rescue as many animals as possible foster and rehome that's my retirement dream so that's what I'm kind of gearing up towards hopefully in the next 10 to 15 years well lovely dream absolutely know, 55 yeah, no, I'm really saying nice. 55 15 years time and then I can uh, start saving the animals love it no that's really good that's really good um Really interesting. So, um, is there uh, an everyday thing that you are you are better at than anyone else? If a party trick, anything like that? Sleeping. Keep it clean for the kids. I'm really good at sleeping. Okay. I don't think anyone can do a Donald Duck impression like I can. Oh, come on then, let's hear it. Really? Can you do one? No. Oh, okay. There's actually one person who can, but oh, I can't believe we're doing this in a recruitment podcast. It's supposed to be a serious, serious business. So I can do. Um... Hello, nice to meet you. Like? Sorry, that was a, yeah. Is that good. any good? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Do Donald Duck sneezing? No. Absolutely. It's <laughs> I mean, not getting it yeah. back, Marston. I'm not getting. Sorry, I'm. I, I'm, I'm sorry. I'm not. I'm not rolling around in laughter. But, um, <laughs> hey, look. You know that's that is that is impressive to be able to do that. I mean, Thank every you. time I try and do Donald Duck, I just get a sore throat from it. So I um, really, I mean, see so yeah. you're doing it in the wrong place. It needs to come from the side, not the throat. Ah, yeah, so that's your secret. From there, yeah. Ah. Well, I'll tell you what. I think I I genuinely think that clip right there is going to hit our TikTok. So so make sure you look out for that. Yeah. Oh, brilliant. Yeah. <laughs> what's, what's TikTok? Uh, something the kids are into. Oh, uh, fine, wouldn't they? Yeah. Too old. <laughs> That's actually it's actually a problem app, to be honest with you. It's a what, sorry? It's a bit of a problem app. How so? It's one of those apps that you can go on to late at night, say eleven o'clock before you're about to go to bed, and before you know it and you've done endless scrolling, it's like two in the morning and you're like, yeah. Oh my god. Yeah. It's yeah, quite I've... good fun though. It is good fun. I, I tend to keep away from it from, yeah. for that exact reason that it can be very addictive. But, but, but yeah, with you can't uh, forward the videos, can you? So, like on YouTube, you thing, kind yeah. of watch a video and forward the bits you don't want to see. This you're kind of like watching it, thinking, "Do I want to watch this? Is this a waste of time?" And it turns out to be, but you can't even, yeah, you know, can't forward it. Clever app, yeah. absolutely. Well, look out for a clip of Craig doing a Donald Duck impression on our TikTok. Uh, I'll okay. <laughs> brilliant um so um back to something a little bit serious i suppose Go um what's the best advice you've ever received oh, you're really you're you, you could have prepped me with some questions martin i, I mean next time you do something like this can't you just prep someone with the questions you're gonna ask uh, i did i'm pretty sure i said you all these questions but... <laughs> um it's not my fault you didn't read them <laughs> so you know, i have been quite um i've been quite vocal um about the grief that i suffered um a couple of years ago now with my brother paulie left me far too young and he was my my rock my go-to the only person in this world i've ever ever had a telepathic relationship with even though we were 21 years apart and he always was an amazing advice giver and i think as he knew that he was pretty sick and unwell, he, I wouldn't say created these quotes, I don't think they're necessarily his, but he wrote a book called The World According to Paul, 
which unfortunately remains unfinished, will be finished by his daughter. And the ones that stood out to me are really, really true. And I really try and put them into my world. Um, don't sweat the small stuff. No point sweating the small stuff at all. And if I find myself sweating the small stuff, my wife will say to me, what will Paul say? Don't sweat the small stuff. And don't worry about things that are outside of your control because we've all got crap going on in our lives. And if it's something you control and you can change it, then yeah, worry about it because, and think about, maybe not worry, but think about it because you can change it. But if it's something you can't change, like for example, coronavirus, um, I can't change how quiet or busy we're necessarily going to be. Mm. I can't change the fact that the clients we're predominantly used to working with won't work with us. What I can control and change is new client business that we'll try and bring in. But I can't change the fact that we had, you know, 20 clients that would give us two or three jobs a week or a month and they are not hiring anymore. So I cannot be worried about that because I cannot control it. What I will focus on is the stuff I can control and, and the differences I can make. Um, the final one, um, which was actually taught to me, there's a couple of recruitment ones actually, um, which I think are quite relevant. Um, kill people with kindness. I think it's, it's very easy to get frustrated with people, um, be it a hiring manager who's annoying you, be it a candidate who's not committing or is being a bit elusive. Um, just be kind. Um, because it's very, very hard for someone to be rude to you when you're being nice to them. Uh, and it's a much nicer way to be. Kill people. I actually had a call today where the guy for the first 10 minutes was being a right. And actually, I was just so nice. That we actually had a really, really nice call. Ends up speaking about 45 minutes. And in the end, got a lot out of the call. Um, and the first lesson I ever learned in recruitment, I'm sorry to, to drone on. I think it's okay. quite a a nice story was the first job I ever worked in recruitment was for a software tester. And um, I remember advertising the job that night and coming back into my inbox with about 500 responses. And it's impossible as a recruiter, a single person trying to filter the responses to get through to everyone. And there was this one guy who called me um, who I didn't think he was right for the job. But he kept on calling me. He kept on persisting to call. And I spoke to my colleague, I said, just do me a favor, just tell him that the job's being filled or something. I just want to, I don't want to talk to him. And my colleague said to me, and it was something that rings true today, it's the testers of today that are the hiring managers of tomorrow. And you never know what you're going to get out of that call. So in the end, I did take that call. Um, and if the guy's watching, you know who you are, I won't say your name because I've told him the story. I did take that call. Um, he wasn't right for my job, but we had a really, really good chat. He was right for a job that I got in two days later, which I put him into. Um, he grew uh, to become, uh, he's actually almost at, I suppose, MD level now within the investment banking arena. He has hired probably close to, not him alone, but his company that he introduced me to, we've probably hired over 10 years, 100 contractors to work for them. That one piece of advice um, was something that I tell all of my rookies and all of my trainees. You're gonna get something out of every call. So even if you think it's not relevant, even if you have to speak to them for two or three minutes and say, look, I'm really sorry you're not right for this role. Let's keep in touch, take that call. Nice, nice, I like it. It's, it's the old adage of the candidate of the day is the client of tomorrow. So uh, yeah. Oh, I thought I made that up over. Oh, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> but no, you're right. And, and it's such an important 
um, it's such an important thing to remember and not one that many people do remember. Yeah. Um, because ultimately you're right. You know, if you give somebody service now, they're going to remember it in the future. And yeah. in the future, they may be hiring. They may want to use you. So I think it's a really important piece of advice and, for and everybody. I think also, yeah, I think the one thing people mistaken is you speak to that new client for the first time and you put them on a pedestal because you want something from them. So you're, you mind your P's and Q's, you're really polite, you're really engaging. You should also speak to that candidate who's not right for the job in the same way. You should speak to everyone. You should speak to everyone in the same way that you speak to that client for the first time on that pitching call. Mm. Because they, they, everyone deserves the same respect as that person. Just because you need something from them, it doesn't mean you should treat other people differently. So, so on, on that basis, how do you think the automation is going to affect that candidate relationship then, where a lot of people now are using automated screening, automated yeah. responses? How do you think that's going to affect the candidate relationship? I think it, it's a really interesting one because I think technology is coming into our, it is coming into, I mean, wow, what, what, what year am I, 1990? Technology is changing and evolving the world that we live in, absolutely completely changing it um i think even if you look at what's going down at the moment with coronavirus and how you know just the fact we've got all this information coming into us if if coronavirus happened 15 years ago i think the economy would be in a far worse position because we wouldn't have the ability to meet as easily and work from home but i think from a uh, society point of view we'd feel a lot better because we're not being bombarded constantly with information that we're getting on our iphones um And I think there's a real fine line between making automation work in recruitment and and not. I remember speaking to uh, one of the, uh, a guy called Russell Quirk who set up eMove. And um, unfortunately they they went bust and I was reading an article that he wrote and he was really surprised about the fact that when he set up eMove as one of the first online um, um, estate agencies that it would absolutely capitalize the market and, and get complete control and because everyone hates estate mm. agents like they hate recruitment agents i mean if you've got an online function to do it why wouldn't you just use that yes but it only captured about 10 percent of the market in the end uh 10 market share and it's i think because there's such big decisions and there's such big negotiations that people do want a middleman mm. someone to negotiate things like salary notice period days holiday shares equity and all that kind of stuff there's absolutely a place for automation. And if you're using it in a candidate process, if you're using it to get referencing, if you're using it uh, um, to you know, get, get back to candidates who have been rejected for an opportunity, I don't know if that's maybe the best idea. It's not always nice to receive a phone call, but I suppose it depends on the role you're working. There's gonna be a place for automation, but it has to have a human touch um, alongside it. Um, some of the stuff that you guys are doing is incredible. And I think what you're doing allows us to use automation, but also have a human element in there as well. Yeah, so important. You need to you need to know where the line is yeah. uh, and where you can then hand back over to the human, to the recruiter, to yeah. um, to nurture 
uh, that that relationship and to have a, you know to have more worthwhile, more meaningful conversations that do nurture that relationship. Absolutely. Yeah, look, I think in you know we get a lot of applications. I'm working jobs at the moment where I'm still getting applications of people that are completely irrelevant for the role. Um, I've got one role I'm looking for capital markets markets experience. I need that investment banking experience. The person who hasn't got that commercial knowledge of capital markets cannot do this job. And the amount of applications I've had of people without that that when you do put, for example, a chatbot or automation on top of it at the application, say, look, have you got capital markets? No, I haven't. Look, And the chatbot can message a person say, look, we're really, really sorry. We can't consider you because this is a prerequisite of the role. Mm. But if you'd like to have a chat with somebody about your next opportunity, yeah. let's get something set up. That's where it works really nicely. Yeah, absolutely. No, absolutely. Um, so finally, uh, and very quickly, what do you think's next in the world of recruitment? I think um, recruitment is definitely moving towards talent solutions. Um, I think that companies want and need a single recruitment company sitting on site who know their culture and understand them. Um, I think culture is such a big part of people accepting a job. And I think that the worst type of job spec I receive is a wish list of skills. Mm-hmm. Actually, the perfect job spec is, if I'm looking at an A4 piece of paper, about that much on skills and this much about culture, career yeah. progression, opportunity. And I think that if you've got 10 different recruitment companies working your job, which is your wish list of skills, don't be surprised if we were going to be sent is candidates who match the keywords of those skills, but don't necessarily match what you're looking for in terms of, of a personality and a cultural fit and I'm not saying by that that everyone in this company needs to be exactly the same everyone's you know the best way to hire is to hire different types of people mm. but um, I think that where recruitment has to go is where clients find their dedicated agency or supplier they want to work with and use them as their all-encompassing Uh, talent solutions expert who not only understands the skills they're looking for not only understands the culture that's within the business but also can can plan forward and will know that okay well in a year's time we're hoping to go for series b this is what we're going to be looking to do and this is these are types of people we're going to be needing so your pipelining candidates you know maybe even a year in advance of actually hiring and i think then recruitment's going to be a really really special place because there's nothing worse for a recruiter to work a job of a wish list of skills that's with 10 agencies that you're literally just doing keyword recruitment that's all you're doing Interesting. Interesting. So becoming that uh, that strategic partner in, yes. in sourcing the right talent for the business. Yeah, absolutely. Interesting. Interesting. Well, look, Craig, thank you so much for thank joining you. me today on the Recruitment Acceleration podcast. Thank um, you for having me. No worries at all. No worries at all. Well, look, you know, um, please uh, listen out for for Craig's episode and lots more to come from other experts in the world of recruitment Uh, and remember to follow us on all of the social channels and subscribe to our video and podcast series once again craig thank you so much for joining me today cheers martin thank you thanks bye